Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's Keys. Can he be a hero? Keys kicks towards goal. Oh, it's hurt. He's missed. Taps on it. Oh, he thinks he's kicked it. Hit the post. He thinks he's kicked he's it. He's celebrating. It. Time ticking. Toolkit Depot Studio. Don't forget to shop winter at TKD. And we are, as always, brought to you by Izuzu Utes. The commentators said it hit the padding. No, it didn't. And, yes, it was a case of centimetres. It missed by centimetres. Joining me on the show now is former Fremantle star, Werribee coach Mick Barlow. Mick, how would you feel if something like that cost you a game? <laughs> uh, morning, Duff, first of all. Um, oh, you... Yeah, I think Matthew Nix handled it pretty well. He was about to explode. You could tell that much. And Ben Keyes had no idea what was going on. He looked a bit disgruntled. I think they handled themselves very well in the in the aftermath because there's no other way you could really handle it, I suppose. It is the result. And unfortunately, you've got to, you've got to grin and bear it and get on with it. Um, but yeah, it's gut-wrenching. But as a coach, what I do know... and uh, it might sound cliche to the, to the external, but you get a lot of opportunities in game to to win games or, or put yourselves in positions to to you know take home four points, and uh, that's how Matthew Mix assessed it. I think they kicked four goals eight in the last quarter, so missed missed opportunities. That probably should be a five goal seven, but they also gave up a, a forty four point head start in the first half. Do we need to get better at goal line technology? Should there be a, a way and means for clubs in a high stakes moment like that? So that moment basically ends Adelaide's season and mm. puts Sydney in position to, to, if they win this week, to possibly host a final. So is there any way we can improve goal line technology or maybe give clubs the right to stop a game and ask for a review if they think something is clearly wrong? Yeah, I think what I saw last night watching the uh, Women's World Cup is is something that um, sparked my interest pretty quickly. I don't watch a huge amount of soccer, but the VAR, isn't it? It's, it's, there was a yeah. handball in the, in the box. The play plays out. You know, the human error of the, of the ref in the moment may or may not see it. Um, the play plays out. Next stoppage, you know, they can actually call a stop to, to that play and review it and get the right outcome. So I think that that's... That's as simple as it has to be. Um, is there's you know, a bit of responsibility for the people in the arc to um, potentially, yeah, yeah, call a stop to the game in the next stoppage that eradicates those howlers, uh, which unfortunately Saturday night was one. 
Because human error is always going to be a part of things, isn't it? I mean, the field umpires can make a human error which decides a game, either by paying a free kick or not by paying a free kick or by not paying a free kick, which is actually there. I mean, we saw one... Well, we've seen two in contentious ones in grand finals involving West Coast. There was the one where... Um, Sampy was held by Ty Keneally in 2005, which wasn't paid. There was the one where Willie Rioli blocked Braden Maynard in 2018 that wasn't paid as well, which enabled Don Sheed to take the kick. So human error from an umpire's, whether it's a goal umpire, a field umpire or a boundary umpire, can always influence a game. Yeah, you're spot on. And you're going to have to cop, cop that, aren't you, that, that umpires are going to make mistakes. But the absolute... Powers have to be have to be um, looked into, and how do we how do we pull away from them? Um, I, I'm, I'm comfortable with you know, the Willie Rioli one and, and the, the field ones in, in the moment because I think there's there's moments like that in every game that don't get the the external attention due to you know, it being a regular home and away game. Um, yeah, I think the scoring element is, is just so important for the goal line and the right decisions to be made um, from a from a goal umpiring position, and you know we can easily keep the game flowing if if they um, want to stick with the original decision, or they can pull it back as we discussed and and say, yeah, well that's a goal, and now we just reset the centre, reset the clock, and away we go. Matters of coaching, Mick. Um, first of all, Dimmer Hardwick just announced as Gold Coast Suns coach for the next six years will be there until 2029. Good appointment? Is a long-term appointment like that a good thing for Gold Coast, or do you think that's a bit bold? Uh, I think I think it's probably a landmark um, moment in the club's history, isn't it? Like he's a three-time premiership coach. Oh, I actually only just listened to the the press conference. I didn't get any eyes on it. I presume he had the the red polo on. He did. And, he looked very um, looked very fit in his red polo. I have to say. Yeah, well, that, that's what happens when you when you go. <laughs> I feel like I always look fitter as a Gold Coast Sun, despite my output being a lot less, because um, <laughs> the colours just suit and the skin goes a little bit more of a a tanned glow. Um, no, I think it's huge. I think it's going to give them exactly what they need and they need someone with real conviction to come in and and start to steer the Gold Coast ship um, in a consistent manner and, and that's no, no disrespect to those that have come before but the conviction behind a, a three-time premiership coach as soon as he walks in that room and addresses the media with the players in that room the players just sit there and think well I, I have to be in and you either act your way in or act your way out. And knowing that Damien Hardwick now essentially runs that football club for the next six years. So it's it's, it's bold that um, for all the criticism, I think they copped around the, the, the time of the sacking of Stuart Jew, they've, they've come out the other end with, with the result they were always seeking. Yep, they've got a coach that carries real weight. You're absolutely right. He can look him in the eye, I think, and uh, and they'll have to look back and understand. Uh, I loved your uh, your Ross lineism there. You act your way in, or you act your way out. Act your way in, act your way out. Um, now, I, hyper- I actually just I, I did text him on Saturday night. I, I felt uh, compelled because I think the Kilda are doing exactly that. There's certain players there that I think there's a similar similar look to St Kilda to what we've probably seen with with the Gold Coast. Um, you know, certain players now buying in defensively, and you know, Hunter Clark's found his, his way out of the side. Great Jade Gresham found his way out of the side, and the only way you you do get back in is to commit to 
for the two-way nature of the game. So there's a, a little bit of a, a template there for for the way um, you know, Damien Hardwick might approach his, his um, first few months or all seasons at the, at the helm of the Gold Coast Suns. They'll be told to get their big boy pants on, as uh, Dimmer like, used to like to say at um, at Richmond. Um, hypothetically speaking, and I stress hypothetically speaking, if the West Coast board had decided that Adam Simpson should be going before the match against the Western Bulldogs, does that performance change anything if you're on the board? I uh, I think it does. I, 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 he just got so much out of them, didn't he? Um, he was... It was it was a, a result I felt was coming for for a little period. They were really poor against um, the Dockers, and as I probably I probably haven't thought about that that too much whether that weekend result um, brings back a board decision if that decision is already made. It probably doesn't, to be fair, because if there's five or six results over 100 points in a season, um, they've added up, and and probably um, they'll probably act as as the most significant um, actions across the year rather than potential, you know, the, the one-hit wonder against the Doggies. But what it does show is the importance of having your best players available and surrounding, you know, the, the younger players with, with some experience. So Jeremy McGovern was huge. Tim Kelly was unbelievable, in particular early. Um, so Jamie Cripps, you know, who's, who's battled that. Well, I think he's probably battled physical ailments all year off the back, I think, of some interruption across the pre-season. It really does help. Um, I think it helps a number of things, I think, for Adam Simpson. I think other clubs would look at that result and think, well, he's a premiership coach that hasn't had anything go his way for two years. You can see the love and passion his players still have for him. So if it's not at West Coast, I think he's a a very uh, marketable commodity to, to go into another club and, and get a get an opportunity. So, I think if the decision is made, the decision is made. Um, if it if it wasn't though, it certainly helps. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, interesting that the virtually the entire best player list was the senior player group that he's had so much success with. So. Kelly probably best on ground, narrowly from Jamie Cripps, narrowly from Jeremy McGovern, um, Elliot Yo significant, um, Jack Darling bobbed up and kicked a couple. Obviously, Oscar Allen not quite in that 2018 premiership group, but was, was at the club and nearly made that team, would have played in that team if McGovern had come out. So that was the group, the one that he's had with him for some time. They really stood up for him. I think Liam, Dug- Liam Duggan was significant as well. The flip side of that game, Mick, the Western Bulldogs, very talented list, and they've kind of been waxing and waning since the 2016 flag. They made a, a, a grand final in 2021. They were in finals last year, but out first week. Um, I got the feeling that finals was a necessary pass mark for them this year, and now that's engraved out. What does it mean for Luke Beveridge? What it means, a lot of this scuttlebutt and... Um around contracts. Adam Simpson until 2025 and Beveridge, I think, similar. Um, Stuart Dew contracted beyond the term or beyond this season as well. Um, we have a fascination with it, don't we? But it, it, that fascination often leads to to reality. Um, and I'm one that I think you would have probably heard when I was answering the, the Adam Simpson question. Like, yeah, you have a huge amount of empathy for these coaches. Um, it's a challenging position to be in and sometimes probably don't get the kudos 
deserved when it's going well. And then when it goes poorly, um, you know, the world does flip and the blowtorch becomes really apparent on, on the head figure in terms of the coach. So there's a lot more at play than probably what Luke Beveridge um, is delivering. You know, you've got to look at, I think, from a Bulldogs point of view, I'm, I'm more looking at list management and, and, and how they've structured their list. That they're always... Um, the bottom six players are so, so important and they just haven't been able to find the right level of bottom six and that may speak to, to paying your top end too much and having to invest too much in your, in your top six to eight. So that, that comes uh, with responsibility as well with Luke Beveridge because he'd have some oversight and, and understanding of, of how that goes. And you've got to get get the best out of those bottom six to eight as, as a coach. So it is holistic. I just probably wanted to plant a flag in the ground to, to give hindsight into the whole shooting match of, of a football club and the operations, how it works, and what I've seen with the dogs. Um, but, yeah, there's some blame and some some absolute um, responsibility on Luke Beveridge, which he took post-game yesterday. And, you know, I just feel he's he, he's the man for that job. Um, Premiership coach 2016, they've signed him up and had full faith in him leading into this season. I think if the similar trend continues into next year, um, yeah, I think they've got everything in front of them to understand how they need to improve and where they need to go. Um, but if they were sitting here in a similar situation next year, then um, under real pressure, I'd say. Um, Adam Simpson, if you were the board, would he continue? He would, yes, yes. I think there's enough. I, well, I, was, um, I think with what's, what's come about in the last few weeks, um, there was probably some, some um, thought that, you know, Shuey Hearn, that they might go on again and that knowing and whatnot, the, the fact that these more senior players are shifting out, um, I think there's some, some murmurings that there's going to be quite a quite a changeover around the, the football department and, and assistant coaches and development programs and all that stuff, high performance. So how much change is too much change? There's a lot of change going to happen. The, the contract is there for Adam Simpson for another couple of years. And um, I, I just saw the weekend how much kind of love and compassion these guys are going to be in the next period, McGovern, um, Duggan, Cripps, these guys that are going to take the lead on, on what's next for the Eagles. Um, I, I'd like to think it's... Um, yeah, they, they pick their, their group, which Adam Simpson, I feel like, should be, be, be involved with, and, and they get moving, and they get to work on, on 2024. I guess the, the obvious question is... How do you reconcile what we saw on yesterday, which was absolutely magnificent, um, with what we've seen throughout the year? And I know there's been questionable availability with a lot of these guys, but there have been games where a lot of these guys have been there and there have been stretches mm. where a lot of these guys have been there and we just haven't seen this. I mean, you go back a mm. week, you go back even just one week earlier against Fremantle and most of that team was out on the field for that game. And they delivered that yeah. against what they delivered yesterday. What? How does that happen? And what does that say? Yeah, I, I think as well it'll start to like some of these guys have played. You know, Elijah Hewitt and well, Ruben Jimmy hasn't played for a little while, but some of these guys that have now played. What have they played? They would have played twelve to eighteen games or twenty games heading into next year. Or by now they're playing twelve to eighteen games. Um, it's a significant amount of games at AFL level to play against you know, highly credentialed opposition at that level coming out of under-age programs where you're the best player 
so these guys are starting to get a, a body of work. I think they've figured out who the probably six to, to ten that just aren't up to it are. And, again, that'll be part of a list turnover in a few weeks. But it, it's really important that these depth guys at the moment, uh, which are those names I've just mentioned, they're now into double-digit games. They're feeling a little bit more comfortable. But they're able to stand up in the heat for, for more extended periods. Um, and that's going to hold them in really good stead next year. Um, you know, Brady Hoff would have would have played probably 20 to 30 games. Jimmy Hewitt, um, Campbell Chesser, um, Noah Long. So they'll go into next year, rather than having guys that have played 0 to 10, they'll have guys that have played, you know, 15 to 30 to accompany um, the 6 to 8 top-end guys or more experienced guys we've discussed. So, um, yeah, why are you answering your question? I think the, the, the teething issues this year with inexperience has really shown, um, but they've got to be able to absorb what they've done this year and how they've played and, and, and got those experiences in to, to make those those younger guys um, you know, more consistent and be able to stand up for longer. Mick? As always, pleasure to have you on the show. I believe the uh, the Werribee boys top of the ladder at the end of the VFL home and away season. Uh, we finished second, but the same amount of wins as, as Gold Coast. They just had a superior percentage. Um, felt like at times they just had this kind of super mode to go to. They just press a button and kick ten goals in a row, and their percentage was absolutely unbelievable. So we're, we're top two. We get a week off and a double chance. So it's, uh, it's actually pretty exciting. Looking forward to it. The finals campaign. Haven't been involved in one for a while. Must have. Uh, that might be the trigger for the mischievous text we've come through on the temper bedshed text line from Matt um, Duff. The way Mick's talking about West Coast, has he signed on as an assistant to Simo for next year? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, can, we can pick that up in a couple of weeks, but I can confirm that's absolutely not the case. <laughs> Mick, as always, a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us, and uh, all the best in the VFL finals. Good on you, Duff. Chat soon. Michael Barlow, of course, former Fremantle star, current Werribee coach, part of the SEN family. As always, we're brought to you by Isuzu Utes. You can live your own way in the seven-seater Isuzu MUX. We'll be back with more of the show after the break.